0: You know, there's something that I want to talk to you guys about that I think is a very underrated part of this job. Not in terms of specifically what I'm doing right now, in terms of talking on the radio, but just those individuals that work in media, there's a very underrated job that certain people do. And it's the reporters that go out on site and they're doing live shots and they're going and talking to people on the street. That's very much, um, it's underrated in terms of the value of what they do, the importance of what they do. We have these individuals that go out here and they're busting their butts and this is their job. They do this for a living. They're trying to report the news, whether it's about, you know, a shooting or a business closing or some sort of scam scandal that needs to be researched or whatever the 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 topic is. This is their job. And so. It should have everybody upset. And saddened when you saw this story yesterday about this TV journalist that was killed while he was reporting on a shooting in Florida. And not only was he killed, but a nine-year-old was also killed after that person entered a nearby home. Um, I mean, there's a part of me that will never understand how monsters and that's what I'll call this individual, just horrible individual, this monster, this villain, this criminal. How you could just kill people for no reason at all. A TV journalist, a nine-year-old little girl. And I think from the reports, it was this individual was already the person that they were looking for that was involved in the incident that they were actually kind of reporting on. That they were reporting on. Um, TV journalist Dylan Lyons fatally shot um, after the shooter in an earlier deadly shooting returned to the crime scene. Dylan was just doing his job, working for Spectrum News 13. His photojournalist Jesse Walden was also shot because they were covering the homicide of a woman in Pine Hills, just outside of Orlando. I want all of you that are listening to understand the the danger that these people put themselves in. And I know that, that most people don't think like that, but you should start thinking like that. How many times have we seen, and this is a different aspect, but it's a, an aspect of it nonetheless, women doing live shots. Where guys think that they can walk up into a, a woman's space, whether it's a live shot or they're getting ready to tape it or whatever, and think that they can flirt with the woman, touch the woman, be all up in it. It's 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 so sad to see this. This this disrespect, right? You, it's, it's when a person's doing a live shot, unless they're asking you over to come and make a comment on camera, it's a no-fly zone. That's what it is. Don't bother them. They're working. But no, we have people that are up to no good that just want to be irritants. They want to, to do dangerous things to people. And these reporters are in a dangerous environment. So please, out there, always be respectful and never underestimate their job. Because I know that Mr. Lyons here, who died at the age of 24, he probably had no idea the type of danger that he possibly was going to be in. Walden, um, the the photojournalist who was critically injured but survived, said in an interview from his hospital bed, you know, Dylan was a reporter I worked with every day. We were best friends. And, quote, he really did a good job. I, I I just don't, I don't understand it. But there's a lot of things that happen on a day-to-day in our country, in our world, that happen all the time and will never make sense of it or can make sense of it or try to figure it out. But, That community is grieving. I think the broadcast community is grieving. Clearly a nine-year-old girl that has nothing to do with anything is killed. It's just sad. But, But never underestimate the type of danger that people put themselves, those reporters put themselves in. If it's a reporter for Channel 4, Channel 9, I don't care what the news station is. Don't ever disrespect these people. Please don't. They deserve better that's why I get so incensed when people always want to prop up and say and throw out stuff like fake news and all that don't do that don't don't go down that road of disrespect I'm not saying that everything that you see that's reported is is the most accurate okay but to to do that and continue to to push stuff like that that's endangering people their lives that's putting them in harm's way and it's unacceptable but, but I I think that, Chris, the thing that is so scary to me about this is that a few years ago when I was in Kansas City, and I'll never forget this. Remember back in 2015 where there were the – the um, it was um, a reporter and their photog were on a live shot. I think it was somewhere yes. in Virginia.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they, the were, they were
0: literally like – Yeah, it was a live shot. And and the the, the cameras were rolling. And and they had a former colleague that had previously worked with them, but no longer was with the station. I don't know if they were let go or fired or cut or whatever. But that that person, I was going to say something else. Mm -hmm. That person, that person showed up at their live shot. And kill that reporter and that photog, and you could see like the live shots going on, and then the person comes and, and and they 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 the the reporter is looking and they're seeing that they're about to get shot, and she's trying to move out of the way, and then you hear the gunfire, and then you see the camera kind of like fall over, right? It's very disturbing. and I'm just like, oh, my. yeah. It, it was it was it was beyond disturbing. Like like I remember being in studio when that story broke. And I looked at my co-host Jay Binkley, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's not like what 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 just happened there?" Yeah, I, I think it, it was yeah. it was beyond disturbing.
1: I, I think when you know we see, and especially in a you know in a major market like Minneapolis, St. Paul, I think we just get so used to seeing these television reporters they're doing these live shots and we we're, were just like, okay, well, you know, they're, they're there, they're reporting on, you know, what they're seeing and giving us the information without, you know, realizing that it might have been an active, you know, an active shooting, an active situation, but it's not anymore. Well, we're so used to seeing it. We've we, seen we, it our we, whole lives. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You don't think anything of it. And with this you know, situation in Florida, it wasn't an active shooter situation. But, yeah, 20 minutes later, the individual came back. And, and I, yeah, I, I hate when, you know, the, the the media, you know, people, number one, they say the media. Well, what is the media, right? Like over the last, you know, five, six years, it's just been demonized and bastardized that term. But it's like the, the, and I know this is this wasn't politically motivated. This just seemed like it was random violence. A lunatic. A a lunatic, yeah. And the the thing is, the you know the, how do I say this nicely? Most of the media is not an enemy of the people. You know, they're not out here to spread some disinformation. Now, there's some outlets that are, and they make it to me seem pretty obvious. But a television station—I mean, no reporter should fear for their life just going out to a live shot and doing that, no matter where you're at. It's—it it, is—it's scary to think about, and I think we take television reporters for granted. I mean, I—it's just like they're—I think out there we to do.
0: It. Yeah, you—you you just said it. We take them for granted. We—we t- we take them for granted. C- can you imagine doing live shots in kind of a dangerous area in St. Paul? Or Minneapolis, or whatever, whatever wherever uh, uh, you know, a very dangerous situation mm-hmm. is. Like, I'm dead serious. I, I I just think that we, in general, um, shouldn't think that that job is easy. First off, being in front of the camera isn't easy, <laughs> it anyway, is right? Not, no, like, it they, is not. They, there's a certain composure that they have that I just I'm not equipped with, <laughs> right? But but to but to think about being doing a live shot, let's say you're doing a live shot in. In in downtown Minneapolis, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing a live shot and you're paying attention and you're on the, you know, you're you're doing whatever you need to do, and you're not looking around to see if somebody's gonna mug you, if somebody's gonna come and run up and and try to try to hit you, or whatever. No, and 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 your photographer, yeah, you're you're,
1: whoever you're working with, your photographer, your photojournalist, your cameraman, whoever, like that, they're focused in on you, so you guys are working. You know, you've got this synergy where you're focused on each other. And, and, and I mean, it's it's so easy I, to, when you see. It would be so easy for me, Henry, to, to just get tunnel vision. It's like I've got my live shot. I've got to look at the camera. You can't look away. You've got to stay, you know, and everything's timed out. People don't realize that this stuff is timed out. Like you've got to hit your marks with this. And I think that's what makes it even more remarkable when you see people do it. Uh, to be able to keep your composure because, yeah, you, you don't know if there's anything happening around
0: you. Hey, uh, real quickly, yeah, and and I'm in total agreement with you. Uh, Rebecca Brunson has gotten back to me. I didn't really realize this. I forgot that she's traveling today. She said, I'm in the air still. My flight got delayed. I'm landing. Uh, by the time she lands, the show is going to be over. But the storm got, got her all messed up.
1: <laughs> uh, well, see, that's that's see. I mean, stuff happens, right? I, I mean, it's just one of those that it happens, that, man. Yeah, you know, a, f- a first world problem. Oh, I'm man. not
0: going to be mad at the storm. I'm <laughs> not going to be mad at the storm because it screwed me and my interview with Rebecca Brunson. You know, and, I'm and not going to be mad. And,
1: and that's the thing. Like, I, I've worked, and I'm sure you've been with people, Henry. And this is going to kind of, you know, be a little inside baseball where. Like you're working and if something doesn't work out or it doesn't go according to plan, like people just lose their minds. It's like, well, we didn't get this person, you know, and then all of a sudden it just becomes this big ball of animosity. And you're like, she couldn't do it because of the weather. Like things are happening. We, we've we got such first world problems here. You know what I mean? And, you yeah, know, you, yeah. you, could, you couldn't get your friend on to talk Timberwolves you know, okay, you can, you know, you're going to be able to I'll talk, talk to her, her next week. You'll talk to her tomorrow. You'll talk to her next week. It's, it's like, you know, Hakuna Matata, good. right? Yeah, absolutely. Hakuna Matata.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Let's come back. And the next segment, you know what it is. It's word on the street. That's next here on the Lake show. What is the word on the street? The word on the street is the, the gossip of the moment. Entertainment story of the moment that Christopher Tubbs sees, wants to dive into, and he throws my way. So let's dive into another edition of Word on the Street.
1: All right. These are the, uh, the stories that have tickled my fancy, if you will. You know, it's not easy becoming an overnight billionaire and there's a new headache for the winner of the largest lottery jackpot in history as one man claims. I'd like to try. The, well, hey, as one man claims the winning ticket was stolen from him and now he's filed a lawsuit. According to legal documents, Jose Rivera says he bought his lottery ticket from Joe's Service Center in uh, Altadena, California, on November 7th, the day before the $2.4 billion drawing. He says a man by the name of Reggie stole the ticket from him the very same day that he bought it. Now, after the numbers were drawn, Jose said he tried to get Reggie to return the ticket, which allegedly held the winning numbers, but to no avail, with Reggie simply saying it wasn't a winner, and if he found, he'd agree to give up half. Well, Jose says he, quote, refused to be blackmailed, reported the theft to the California Lottery and law enforcement. Well, you fast forward to this month when a a man named Edwin Castro was named the winner of the big prize and reportedly elected to collect the prize as a lump sum of $997.6 million. And Jose says he submitted a claim form to the California Lottery, claiming the ticket had been stolen and asking for an investigation before paying out the winnings. Jose lists both Castro and Reggie as two separate defendants, seemingly insinuating that they both might be liable for failing to hand over the cash, although the details are not clear in the lawsuit. He's asking for the court for damages and to to declare him the winner of the $2.4 billion jackpot. And I got to be honest, I'm surprised we don't see this more.
0: I'm confused about this. Hold on, I'm confused about this. So wait, he bought the ticket Then he tried to – I don't understand. Wait, he bought the ticket. He says that he bought the ticket. How is he claiming that this other person – he says he bought the ticket, but how was it stolen from him? It it doesn't. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, like,
1: he he. It doesn't. It doesn't say how it was stolen from him. Yeah, it 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 doesn't say was it.
0: it. It 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 says after the numbers were drawn, Jose says he tried to get Reggie to return the ticket. What I don't know what that means.
1: I I mean, if you know this person stole it, wouldn't you like right then and there, you would be like, hey. You stole my lottery ticket, whether it was on a, uh, a counter or it fell on the floor or you know somehow it was taken out of his possession and
0: no, what, yeah, no, what, what I'm, no. no but what i 'm saying is let me let me let me just go through that again. It says after the numbers were drawn right Jose says he tried uh to get Reggie to return the ticket, right mm-hmm. which allegedly held the winning numbers, but to no avail with Reggie simply saying it wasn 't a winner. At that particular point, I'd be like, if it's not a winner, then why are you holding on to the ticket? And isn't there, isn't there video? Like, if you got this at sort a of gas station, wouldn't there be video of it?
1: I mean, v- video surveillance? I'm sure there'd be some sort of like a receipt record, like something where you could prove who was the, who was the person that made the purchase? Like, who was the person That's what I'm saying. that yeah, that financially took care of it? I, I mean, I, I read it as, you know, somehow, you know, he may have given him the ticket. Because after the numbers were drawn, he tried to get him to return the ticket. Well, if the numbers were drawn, wouldn't you know it was a winner?
0: That doesn't make sense.
1: Like, none of that makes that make sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't,
0: I'm confused.
1: Yeah, none of it makes sense. I, I think it's a bunch of phony baloney. I think it's somebody trying to cash in. I mean, Reggie, what's Reggie's last
0: name? No, well, no no, 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 no. Clearly, somebody won, though. Well, no, no, I, no, I, out of that situation, there's, but, 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 who is telling the truth? Is, is, is? I'm not sure they're ever going to get to the bottom of that.
1: Well, I, I, mean, you've got this Edwin Castro. Apparently, there's enough validity to declare him the winner. I just don't know that this Jose Rivera. It, it doesn't. It seems to me like there might be something underhanded that he's trying to get at. That's the impression that I get. Gotcha. But I, I could be wrong. Gotcha. Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen the White Lotus, the show with uh, Jennifer Coolidge? I have not. Okay, it is.
0: Everybody's been raving about it. I have not seen
1: oh, it. Oh, see, I I saw season two. I thought it was season one, but you can actually pick it up. It's a great show. Like, it's it, it's fun. And even after the shocking season two finale of White Lotus, it's still surprising viewers. Executive producer David Bernard spoke at the Bernaline... Uh, Berlinale, series, market, and event for TV industry professionals in Germany on Wednesday, and revealed that the star of the Jeffrey Dahmer story, Evan Peters, who played Jeffrey Dahmer, he almost played Ethan, who is Aubrey Plaza's a character, Harper's on-screen husband, and it was the last part that they cast. The timing didn't work out, and instead it went to Will Sharp, but that would have been a heck of a cast right there. Audrey, uh, Aubrey Plaza right next to Evan Peters. Hmm. I haven't uh, seen it. Oh, because D- Dahmer, like Evan Peters, is so good at playing these really disturbed characters, and I know that he wants to get away from from things like that. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen him in this role, as you know, Harper's husband being with the Aubrey Plaza in this, because I I've never seen Evan Peters up until Dahmer. But I would like to see him do something other than a sociopathic, you know, serial killer. But, oh, man, it, it would have been so yeah. good. I just I thought the casting, the, the casting would have been cool. Gotcha. Hey, uh, let's go down to this one. Like the uh, the parents of one of the black elementary school students targeted with heinous, racist drawings are blaming it on the parents of the offending classmates, making a fairly compelling case that the racism comes from somewhere. Now, the crayon drawings are shocking. One read, quote, you're my favorite monkey, and another reads, quote, to my favorite cotton picker. Now, another Mm. student was told she would get a drawing with the image of a black person hanging from a tree with the caption, quote, you're my favorite slave. Now, the drawings were supposedly passed out by the students during Black History Month at the Pepper Tree Elementary School in the Southern California town of Upland. Parents of the children targeted are outraged but not necessarily at the kids they point to the, they point to the parents because the child knows these words and phrases the upland school district called the incident uh, racially insensitive which to me is just a, it is an understatement uh, the district says it will implement disciplinary action but the question is who are they taking the action against
0: I mean this is just terrible man this is embarrassing for that school that, uh, those kids, those parents, um, just come on, man. It's 2023. That's embarrassing.
1: I I read it and I'm like, that's all I got to say. There's, there's no way that that would even be, I didn't even think like I read it. And I, to me, just that even being printed in that way just seems so outrageous to me. It, It doesn't even seem like it should be real. And uh, finally, here's a, a fun story here. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are highlighting their modern family as they celebrate her two kids turning 15 with a bunch of pics and some showing uh, Mr. Ben Affleck in stepdad mode. Now, J Lo posted a video Wednesday for her twins Max and Emmy's birthday. And the real has a ton of images throughout their years, some younger pictures, some more recent ones where they're bonding with Ben. Um, The video also features behind-the-scenes family moments with Jennifer and Mark Anthony's twins, by the way. These are not Ben Affleck's uh, biological children. These are ones that she had with Mark Anthony. Um, They're blending the family with Ben Affleck's kids, the uh, three that he had with Jennifer Garner, and uh, blending their families. It's been important to both of them after rekindling their romance back in 2020, uh, 2021, and even more so after tying the knot last July, along with their Georgia ceremony in
0: August. One thing I will never, ever understand in life is how Ben Affleck could not make it work with Jennifer Garner. Oh, my goodness. I I, I just, Jennifer Garner is just, whew, man. Like, for me, yeah, top five, no question. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I've said this before, and I'm not rooting against them. J-Lo and Ben, it's not going to work out. Um, it's not. I'm tell I'm calling it. You it, think this it's isn't going to work out? No, nope. And I think you saw signs of it when they had the little facial thing at the Grammys. I, I'm telling you, man. They they, they just don't seem. Oh, I think they like spending some time together. I just don't. I think that they're too different. And I think he's gonna. I think that they're both gonna get tired of each mm-hmm. other. And it's gonna. And they'll be. I I, I give them two years.
1: Well, don't you – see, if you're saying, well, they're two opposites, I mean, they're, you know, not similar. Come on, man. it worked for Paul Abdul and Scat Cat. I mean, it can work for Ben and (laughs) J-Lo. All
0: right, great job from Christopher Tubbs here on Word on the Street. You like that? I
1: gave you a little Scat Cat reference?
0: We'll we'll, we'll do uh, weather here coming up next with meteorologist Paul Douglas. And then Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They used to play for the Brooklyn Nets. No longer do they, but they say that trade requests are good for the NBA. I disagree. We get to that next year on a Lake Show. Kevin Durant, he plays for the Phoenix Suns. Kyrie Irving, he stays. Uh, well, I guess he, he, he's in the West now. Okay, this it's actually the first time he's been in the West. That's right because he was with he was with Cleveland. Then he went to Boston, and then he went to Brooklyn, and now he's with the Dallas Mavericks. So both of those guys are now in the West. Both of those guys had trade requests. And Kevin Durant stated last week that he believes that trade requests are good for the NBA, and I, I, I totally disagree. But before I give my take on it, take a listen to what he had to say. For the league is bringing more eyes to the league more people are more excited the tweets that I got and the, the 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 news hits that we got from me being traded Kyrie being traded just bring more attention to the league and that's really what makes you money is when you get more attention so um, I think it's great for the league to be honest teams been trading players and making acquisitions for a long time now when a player can you know uh, Kind of dictate where he wants to go and leaving free agency or demand a trade is just part of the game now. So I don't think it's a bad thing. It's bringing more and more excitement um, to the game. No, it's not. I totally I disagree. I, I totally disagree. Drama does not make the NBA any better. It doesn't. Now, now, is it? Is it clicks? Yeah, but it clicks anyway. Like people want to see good basketball. People want to see outstanding players play, but but trade requests are good for the league. I I I don't agree with that at all. I'd love to get some people's reaction or opinions to that at six five one four six one nine two two six because I totally I disagree with that. I don't I don't I'm not buying that. I, I I get a level of okay we're gonna have eyeballs on us because okay there's some drama. I just don't think that drama is. Always great for the league. It's not. Like, this is basketball. It's not reality TV. I'm sorry, it's not. Like, you know what a lot of people are talking about the last couple days? Is Alabama basketball for not a good reason. Like, that is drama. That's reality TV of the utmost. It's not good for college basketball. It's a negative, not just because a woman died and shouldn't have, but because it's just not good. And look, Kevin Durant, he can, he can spin it and say that having control over where you go and all that is a good thing. For who though? Like to, in a, to, in, to a certain degree, it's good for a player, but how much better is it for Kyrie right now? than it is for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Brooklyn Nets missed out on a really good player, a future Hall of Famer, a guy with one of the best handles in all of basketball ever. And they didn't get a whole lot in return. Right? So Kyrie got his way. But do we think that that's actually good for the game? Six five one, four six one, nine two two six I because I just I don't see it that way. I don't and, and this is the other thing, because I think that in most conversations regarding professional sports, player movement will always be something that we will pay attention to. Right now, what are people talking about? Where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? He just came out of his darkness retreat. Where's Derek Carr going to go? We get free agency is going to always get some run. So do, do I think that free agency or player movement will never be discussed or talked about? it's always going to but 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 big time players forcing themselves out and disrespecting fan bases and stuff that's great i don't agree with that let me ask you this chris do you think that jimmy butler forcing his way out of minnesota that, that was great for the league i don't think that enhanced the league any
1: no no it, it to me it it comes off as these athletes come off as very disingenuous Uh, very superficial towards the fan bases that they, you know, allegedly are playing for. And it's, you know, everything's so good. It's like, yeah, if I'm, if, if I don't feel like I'm wanted here, well, sometimes it's not all about you. Like to me, The 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 best news for the NBA is a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, winning a championship in Milwaukee, you know, dedicating and staying in in Milwaukee. Like to me, that's better than the these guys ever. And it seems to be, you know, the same guys, right? It's the same guys doing the same stuff over and over and over again.
0: And I think that one of the worst decisions in the history of Minnesota sports. Was when Steph Marbury got mad and wanted out. I'm just Steph can say what he wants about he went to China and he became this this big name in another country and life is good and cause, cause he's got he's got money right like I mean he's he's extremely highly compensated as a professional basketball player not just mm-hmm. when he was in the NBA and playing for Phoenix and playing for Brooklyn and all that and playing for the Knicks and going to China but. If if he really had to cut open a vein, come on now, do you really think that the decision that you made was the best one? I'm not buying it. No, I'm not buying it.
1: And eventually, franchises are going to get tired of the act. I mean, it, it seems like KD and should. Yeah, he wore out his welcome. A great player, great player, Hall of Famer, wore out his welcome, Oklahoma City, wore out his welcome. In in Golden State, wore out the welcome in Brooklyn. Guess what? He's going to wear out his welcome in Phoenix. It's, you know, we said the same thing about Kyrie. It's like you you look at these guys and you know that the shelf life of goodwill, it's a very short shelf life. life. And if you don't get something out of it, then guess what? You're going to end up looking like you
0: had no idea what you were getting yourself into. You know, the way that I view this, Because, number one, why would I want to be a player that I'm viewed as everywhere I went, I I, I forced myself out of a situation? And I know that Golden State was a little bit different because he was a free agent and he just left. But I I wouldn't want that. I would not want that. The way that I look at Kyrie Irving is the same way that I look at John Elway and guys and and Eli Manning. Even though they had great careers, they said they were not going to go where they were going to be drafted. That part I can never respect. I'm sorry. I don't care if you think that the team sucks, the organization's bad. I'm sorry. They have your rights because they're on the clock. When John Elway said he wasn't going to go, no, I'm not. I don't want to hear that. Eli Manning, I'm not going to San Diego. I, I just hate when athletes do that because. You are blessed to be in a position to where you 're going to go play professional sports
1: yeah i, I don 't think fans fans do not have respect for players who feel like they're going to hijack an organization, and when you have a, you know a Jimmy Butler that forced his way out and was being a dink as you know he was you know doing all of this extra garbage. Oh, you've, you've got these individuals who feel like they're above everything, right? Like, they're the ones that really, you know, they're the ones that rule these organizations and these franchises. Instead of being a part of it, they look as, like, they are the franchise. And if you don't give them special treatment and everything that they want, well, guess what? They'll just take their ball and go home because somebody else will want them.
0: And, 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 and trust me, let me just say this in defense of, that mindset with Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is disrespected by a team, that's a different story. If Kyrie Irving is disrespected by a team, if any player is disrespected by a team and the relationship is fractured, I get it, let's move on, get them to another place. That's not what happened here. Kevin Durant, after Kyrie said, I want out, he bolted. Mm -hmm. The Brooklyn Nets didn't disrespect Kevin Dur- uh, Durant. The Brooklyn Nets didn't disrespect uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving disrespect, di- uh, disrespected people of Jewish descent and basketball fans everywhere, and it became a problem. Well, these players are always— they're And he play- disrespected the team because he didn't get the
1: vaccine either. They're playing the victim. The, they don't want to come off as the bad guy. They want to be— well. There's a reason that I wanted out was because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's not because I became a horse's ass to everybody and was disrespectful. Look at how the organization, they didn't respect me as an individual. They didn't respect my rights. They didn't respect this, that, or the other. I mean, they're always playing the victim. And that's what I have a problem with. When they want out, it's always something that happened to them, not anything that they did.
0: I'll ask you this question. Well, you know what? Let's take a brief pause. We'll come back. I got a question I am going to toss your way. I was going to toss it at you right now, but let's take a break, come back, final segment of the Lake Show next. All right, final couple of minutes here on the Lake Show. The question that I was going to ask you, Christopher Tubbs, I'm going to give you three. Okay, one, two, three. Okay. Three professional athletes that you think just get it and that you would you would want to sit down and have a conversation with because you just vibe with them like that. Oh man, uh, I'm giving you three. I'm not saying one.
1: Oh man, I I know, but okay. So just like three people, I'd like to. Uh, number one, I think Anthony Edwards. I would love to sit down because I I just I think ant I think he gets it and it meaning I just think he understands the scope of who he is. And what his platform is now. Um, I I think Minnesota is extremely lucky to have uh, to have Anthony Edwards. Uh, So I would say that would be one. Oh, man. Uh, Jeez, I I can't even. I honestly don't know. Like, that is a really, really good question.
0: Really? Yes. Yes. You think it's that hard of a question? Well, I mean, just as much as we see guys do interviews, and all right, I'll give you, I'll give you three, I'll give you three, and and, and, and we'll uh, we'll let you, we'll let you think about another couple. Yeah, let me percolate. I I I think that at the top of the list, and this guy just gets it. Is Giannis, the Greek freak, just gets it? Like he gets life. Like this guy has it figured out, man. I'm dead serious. Like he. Has it figured out. So Giannis is at, he's at the top for me. Secondly, man, Patrick Mahomes, he does all the right things. He says all the right things. I think that he just has it figured out. He's got to figure it figured out. So, so Giannis, Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, who would I have third? That's not, not, that's, that one's tricky. Mm-hmm. Third, um, oof. Yeah, again, I, I probably mean, would. I would probably roll with. I, I think I've I've seen him do several interviews. I think he's very smart, and he's just things figured out, man. I think the Mookie Betts is the bomb.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mookie, Mookie would be a good one. And I th- I think that that's an underrated one from our area because, you know, we heard him go from Boston to Los Angeles. And I don't think a lot of people really hear Mookie Betts and, and you know, how he talks and, and how he goes about his business. Oh, gee, see, I, I still can't. And I, I feel awful because, I mean, out of all the athletes – That, I mean, we see him all the time, but maybe it all just kind of blends together for me because there's not somebody right now that just stands out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I could say, you know, Rob Gronkowski just and and I say that because no,
0: no, no, I'm not talking about just, just just for clarity, current athletes. I'm not talking about hanging out in a bar. I'm talking about just somebody that you look and you say that 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 person gets it. No, and, they and, get they understand like, OK, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I'm not anti-Gronk. I, I yeah, I think. Gets
1: yeah, I, I think. And the reason that I say that is he's got this. Well, number one, the way that he handles his money, he has, you know, I don't think for the longest time he didn't spend any of his paycheck. It was all endorsement money. So to me, it's like he he's, you know, financially got himself set up. But to me I think Gronkowski he understands who he is as a person and what people want to see from him. Like people want to see this goofy meathead party guy who, you know, is just out there being silly and outrageous and I I feel like that's who he that's who he portrays. Now whether or not that's him turned up to 11, or if this is all just a you know a, a persona, I feel like he understands that is that's the Rob Gronkowski character that people have grown to love. And, and you've got to continue to put that out there is, is kind of what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Your selections, Anthony Edwards and Gronk surprised me. Absolutely surprised me. Really? I just knew. I just knew for sure. You were going for Aaron Rodgers.
1: Oh, I mean, he and I he, Yeah, don't don't diss the <laughs> darkness retreat until you tried it. OK,
0: I'm good. I want to stay in the me,
1: light. Me and me and a Raj were critical. I want, the, I,
0: I want to stay in the light. I want to stay woke.
1: Well, you know what? You can do your own research <laughs> in the light. OK, because truthness is found in the dark.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're done here. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow, 6 o'clock for the Lake Show, but then at 6.30, Cal Soderquist, Wolves pregame. The Hornets, that's the opponent. We got Timberwolves basketball. We're back from the All-Star break. Talk to you tomorrow.